Thanks, everyone, for coming out this uh, Sunday evening in Spanish Fork, Utah. Thanks to those who download these talks as podcasts from iTunes. We invite your comments, correspondence, and feedback by email us at utahkrishnas at gmail.com. We also have a membership class at our website, utahkrishnas.org. I'd like to thank those that have taken the membership class, become members. We couldn't do what we do without your help and support. Everything is inspired by the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder Acharya of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Today we'd like to talk to you about standing out from the crowd, rising above the average. If you're an average American, you own credit cards. If you're an average American, you're married. You're 29 years old. If you're a man, your height is 5'9". If you're a woman, your height is 5'4". You laugh 15 times a day. You make 1,029 phone calls a year. If you're a man, you're likely to live till you're 69. If you're a woman, the averages say that you'll last till 76. The average fat cells in men and women's bodies is 27 trillion. Before we feel that we can even begin to face the day and interact with other members of our species, the average man uses eight different personal hygiene items in the morning, and the average woman, 15. Now, before we go any further, I want to tell you that being called average is not a compliment because it means that you're as close to the bottom as you are to the top. I saw a church marquee which said there is no patron saint of mediocrity. In other words, you have to rise up to claim special favors in life. You cannot think of yourself as conditioned or limited by your birth, by your parentage, by your education or lack of it, by your upbringing, the lack of finances. If you look for excuses not to excel, you'll find plenty of them but you'll never feel the wind of God's favor behind your sails. Many of us think, I'm nothing special. I'm going to be born, live, and die. I'm just one of six billion people on the planet. And yet here's a verse from our scripture which says that living beings who are conditioned by thoughts of mediocrity can be freed immediately even by unconsciously chanting the holy names of Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna is a name for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He goes by other names in different cultures. But he is the most beautiful, the most famous, the most knowledgeable, the most strong, the most wealthy, as well as the most renounced or the most humble. In other words, he is the most super excellent person. Being absolute, he's non-different from his name. So whenever you have the name of the Lord, and any bona fide name will do, but great saints and sages have recommended the names of Krishna and Rama. When you have those names on the tip of your tongue, you're directly associating with the most super excellent person in all of creation, who brought millions and millions of universes into being just by speaking. So you're not going to be able to associate with the excellent and remain mediocre. If you want to remain average, then I'm here to warn you, whatever you do, don't chant. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. I'll give you an example from the scriptures. There was a man named Ajamyo. 
He'd been born in a Brahmin family, and up until about the age of 12, his life was extremely pure. He worshipped the deities with his parents, who neither one of them ate meat or smoked or even drank tea or coffee. They didn't gamble. Um, they were very chaste and faithful to each other. That's the environment that he grew up in his early life. But some or other, on his way to gather flowers for the worship one day, he came across a low-class couple who were half-naked, intoxicated, and embracing each other on the side of the road. So in the Bhagavad Gita, it says, Vishayam dayato pumshang sangat sanjayate kaman. It says, by contemplating the object of the senses, one becomes attached to them. And from attachment, lust develops, and from lust, anger and illusion, and then one falls down into the material pole. So Ajamil, he fell hard and he fell fast. He fell away from that pure Brahminical life. He took up with the woman a common law arrangement. He, in order to support her and the 13 children that he ended up having from her, he engaged in extortion, embezzlement, armed robbery, you name it. On his deathbed, he saw the agents of the Lord of Death, Yamaraj, who is also called the Lord of Justice, horrible-looking, twisted beings coming at him. If you ever, did you ever see that movie uh, with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore? Ghosts. Ghosts. The, the creatures that come up to drag the bad guys down, they were like that. So they're coming for him to put a noose around his subtle body and drag him down to hell for punishment. And he's terrified. So he shouts, not at all thinking of God, but he shouts the name of his youngest son, his youngest of 13 children, and he happened to have named him, given him a name of God, the name of Krishna, which is Narayan. So he shouts in terror, Narayan! And as soon as that sound vibration went out, the agents of Vishnu, angelic, powerful personalities, immediately appeared on the scene and stopped the Yamadudas. He said, you cannot take this soul away. And the Yamadudas are like, are you kidding me? This guy did every crime in the book. I mean, if there's anybody who deserves to be punished for his sinful activities, this guy. So what are you talking about? And they said he has chanted even once, even unconsciously, the names of the Lord. And having done so, that has counteracted more sins than he could possibly commit. The real issue is, are you going to stay clean? Or are, on the morrow, are you going to go right back doing the same old things that you did? Because if you are, then there's no way that you can be corrected. This is called hypocrisy, and God hates hypocrites. Someone said a bad Christian is someone Christian who drinks on Saturday night, confesses on Sunday, with every intention of doing it again Monday. For such a person, there's no hope. The Yamadudas and the Vishnudas had a conference, and they decided to give Ajamil two more years of life a reprieve to see whether he would relapse or keep on the straight and narrow. And he did well. He got up off of his deathbed. He went to Rishikesh, a holy village in the foothills of the Himalayas. He attached himself to some sadhus. He heard the kata, the transcendental topics about Krishna, and he heard the chanting and the japa. He participated. He helped out in the kitchen. And two years later, he had not done any pop or any more sins. Then when he died, finally, he got a much better result than he would have had he not just once chanted the names of the Lord. I repeat this verse. 
Living beings conditioned by thoughts of mediocrity can be freed immediately by even unconsciously chanting the holy name of Krishna, which is feared even by fear personified. There are three ways of thinking to get ourselves apart from the crowd, to get ourselves a cut above. The first one is to have a great ambition. All of us need to be recognized, even as small children, we're at the top of the slide. We want our father, we want our sisters, we want our brothers to look. We're not going to slide down until we're sure that they're looking. And if we need to, we're going to say, Daddy, Mommy, Brother, Sister, watch me. We have this strong need to excel and to be recognized and complimented for that. It doesn't go away when we grow older, it just takes different forms. Have you ever carefully arranged the coffee table books to impress visitors that might drop by? How about the car? Did, did you pay a little extra for the car because of the prestige factor? Did you go to a Camry instead of a Corolla? The house that we live in. In subtle ways, we're hankering to be recognized. And that's normal. That's natural. Ultimately, we want God, our Supreme Father, who is on our side, who is in the stands cheering us on, we want him to recognize us, and ultimately, we want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. None of us are wired to be ordinary or common. That's artificial conditioning by society, by critics, by fear of stepping out of the boat. We really, deep down inside all of us, we want to expand and we want to grow. And guess what? Our Supreme Heavenly Father, He wants the same thing for us as well, and he's in the cheering section. Secondly, besides a great ambition, we need to grow our faith like a muscle. You go into the gym and with resistance training, you get stronger and stronger. If there's no resistance, if there's no challenge, if you're not stretching yourself, you'll just slide down into passivity. The greatest challenge, I believe, facing us in the modern world is boredom. It's killing us. Even kids 12, 13, 14 years old, they're depressed, they're negative, they're cynical, they're jaded, they can't see any meaning or purpose in their life, and they flirt with ideas, and sometimes more often than we like to think, do more than flirt with ideas of suicide. Krishna consciousness, or God consciousness, rising to a standard of excellence as reflections, as being made in the image of our Almighty Father, it's something we have to do to maintain our sharpness, our focus, our intellectual, our physical, and our spiritual health. If you don't have any challenges in your life, you better go out and find some. Because life with no challenges and no goals is boring, it's depressing, it's unhealthy, it's not even worth living. Get a great ambition, act in such a way that your faith is getting strong and growing, and then finally learn at the end of everything, at the end of all your efforts, Depend upon Krishna for the results. Prabhupada, our spiritual master, credit his spiritual master for leveraging him out of a mediocre situation in India and getting him to where God needed him to be. He was one parent who had three children amongst so many parents who had three children. He was uh, in the pharmaceutical business, one pharmacist among so many other pharmacists. But it was a spiritual master's order to leverage himself out of that mediocre situation 
and get himself to America where he accomplished something that nobody has ever accomplished in the history of the world. And he personified this principle of depending upon God without any resources, without any backing, and in his old age and not even in very good health, he landed himself in America in 1965. And he used to laugh. In my old life, I had three children, and they didn't particularly care for me. But after I came to America and I stretched my faith, I stepped out in faith. Now I have 4,000 children in the form of my disciples, and every one of them would willingly lay down their lives for me. And Prabhupada approved of his disciples thinking big in Krishna consciousness because he believed, and we all should believe if we're God-conscious people, that God could do anything. There's nothing that he can't do. We weren't wired to go through life just being mediocre, doing things half-heartedly, wondering, what am I doing? Where am I going? What is my purpose in life? The key is to find out what God's plan for your life is and get right in the center of it. We need to be challenged. We need to be stretched. Human beings were made for growth. And in order to engage us and to grow us, Prabhupada established the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, otherwise known in India's ISKCON, and at present there are 500 temples, no, I would say 500 communities all over the world. And to run each and every one of those communities, you need leadership, you need accountants, you need fundraisers, you need cooks, you need cleaners, you need procurers, you need people who shop, you need people to organize festivals, to receive visitors and guests, to grow, to garden. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. There is a need in each and every center for people to engage themselves, to grow their faith, to learn to depend upon God by accepting more and more responsibility. And the greatest challenge is to live in community. Because in the ordinary course of things, those who live in the Krishna conscious community would not be thrown together willy-nilly. They would all be separate with their own apartments, their own cars, their own mortgages, their own jobs and their own little compartments. But they're forced to live in community, and that is a great challenge, to live with people of different ethnicities, different temperaments. But the whole idea is to engage, to engage spiritually, and to accept more and more responsibility. There is in each and every center 24 hours worth of engagement. Ask any temple resident, and they'll tell you. And those people who take the plunge, whether in the temples or supporting the temples as congregational members, and accepting all that it entails in order to keep the temples running. These are exceptional, not at all ordinary or average people. They are described in scripture as embellished with extraordinary characteristics that are rarely attained even by the demigods. Here's another quote. In the present age of quarrel, this is the age of Kali, it's an age of materialism, it's an age of enforced mediocrity. It is said those who are intelligent, those who are cut above, those will stand out from the crowd who worship God by performing congregational chanting of his holy names. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. In the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says to his friend and disciple Arjuna, there are many great philosophers. This is 5,000 years ago. There are many great philosophers in the world at the present time. There are many great 
yogis in the world at the present time. There are many great ascetics in the world at the present time. And Arjuna is a warrior, he's a family man, he's a king, he's involved in all kinds of mundane activities as opposed to yogis and ascetics and philosophers and sages. And yet Krishna says, of all the talented people who are living in the world contemporarily now, I'm choosing you as the very best of men. And why? Bhakto sime sakacheti. Because you are my devotee. And devotees, in the opinion of God, those who devote themselves to God, who put God first place, in God's own opinion, those are the best among men. And he says, I've chosen you, rahasya hi etad utamam. Chosen you as the recipient of this very, very confidential, ancient, uh, monumental knowledge. And then Arjuna, in the course of the Bhagavad Gita, against his feelings, against his emotions, against his bodily attachment to the soldiers on the other side, or his cousins, his teachers, his mentors, he went ahead and overrode all of that in order to do what Krishna asked him to do. What Krishna asked him to do went against all of his natural instincts. But because he was a person of faith, and he believed in Krishna, he went ahead and overrode all of his reticence and acted as Krishna had asked him for us to act and go to the next level, we have to get rid of three misconceptions. Any one of these will keep us from going to where we need to go. And I'll just list them here. Don't confuse humility with fear. Don't confuse contentment with laziness. Don't confuse little thinking with spirituality. Confusing humility with fear. Not having any great ambitions. Oh, I could never do that. And we think we're being humble. It's not humility, it's just fear. That's all it is. It's a lack of faith. The humble person, the truly humble person would say, I may not be able to do it, but with God's help, with the almighty, all-powerful Lord of millions and millions of universe breathing in my direction, yeah, I can do it. I may not be able to do it, but with God's help, I may be able to do it. Confusing contentment with laziness. We're asked to be content. We're asked to get up in the morning and say, Hallelujah, this is a day the Lord has made. We're asked to be grateful for all of our many, 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 many blessings. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have any goals, that you shouldn't have any ambition. Some people take that verse to be content in everything, to think it means not to have any goals, to be passive in life. If contentment were an excuse for laziness, where would we ever get an education? The third grade kid would say, I'm content to be in the third grade. I don't need to go to the fourth grade. I'm content to just repeat the third grade over and over and over and over again. No, we need to have goals. We need to have aspirations, but we can't just live for the moments in the spotlight. We can't just live for the mountaintops with the soundtrack of Eye of a Tiger playing behind us. We have to have goals, aspirations. We need to be moving towards them, but we also need to enjoy the journey. We need to enjoy our family, our friends, the sunrises and the sunsets. And we need to learn to savor all of these while we're moving towards making a difference in the world. Even though my goals may not be reached yet, learn to enjoy life to the fullest. And last, confusing little thinking with spirituality. Well, I just serve God in my own little way. We'll stop it. He's a big God. We'll serve him in a big way.
If he's a little God, yeah, you could serve him in a little way. If he's not a little God, he's a big God. Everything proceeds from me. All the material and all the spiritual worlds, they come from me. And the wise worship me with all their hearts. With mind, body, word, deeds, everything they got, they marshal that to honor and to glorify God. People say, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way God made me. He actually didn't make you like that. Don't blame God for your own lack of growth. The most fulfilling ambition in life is to do God's will. It's not to get your name in the newspapers or have a big bank balance or be on the cover of Inquirer magazine. Ask uh, Michael Jackson. Ask uh, Robin Williams. Ask uh, Marilyn Monroe. Ask Howard Hughes if these things will give you as much satisfaction as getting yourself into the center of God's plan for your life. Find out why did Krishna put you specifically here. Discover that and get right into the center of that. It said, seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else will be added to it. Any ambition outside of God's control can be destructive. On the other hand, under God's control, your life can be dynamic. Your ambitions can be earth-shaking. There's absolutely nothing that God will not do for a person whose sole ambition is to glorify God. Representatives of the Lord, the people who have stepped up to this, they should be treated with exceptional care. They don't eat meat in a world of meat eaters. They don't chase after women and men in a world which is marked by permissiveness and promiscuity. They don't smoke cigarettes in a world of smokers. They don't drink tea in a world of tea drinkers. They exhibit sense control in an age in which sense control is minimized. Some parents in this age of mediocrity, of enforced militant mediocrity, some parents would prefer that their children live humdrum, average, unfulfilling lives rather than become Hare Krishna devotees. If you join that cult, I'll kill myself. If you join that cult, I'll disown you. They would rather their child stumble in at one o'clock in the morning not knowing where they've been, what they've taken, who they've been with, or what they were doing. They would rather that, in this age of enforced mediocrity, than that they be in a bed in a Hare Krishna temple at nine o'clock in the evening. The majority of TV programmers, they choose the more predictable audience winners which appeal to the lowest average mediocre common denominator, sex, violence, profane language, adult situations, gossip, crude humor, and anything else that elevates mediocrity. William Carey lived 100 or so years ago in a shop. He was a son of a shopkeeper in London. He had this ambition that he would go to India and preach the gospel. This fellow taught himself Sanskrit. There was no one to teach him. There was no one to converse with. He taught himself Sanskrit. And he made the months-long journey full of hazards, robbers, diseases, and dangers to India and establish an Indian mission, which turned out to be extremely successful. He said, attempt great things for God 
and then expect great things from God. There's something in life that's more important than talent. There's something in life that's more important than ability. And you know what it is? It's faith. Faith is believing in God working through you to do great, even impossible things. There are a lot of super talented people who are sitting on the sidelines while ordinary people of extraordinary faith are out in the field making the touchdowns. They're believing that the Almighty God can do anything. Prophet says here, real independence means complete faith in the mercy of the Lord without dependence on the condition of matter. And lastly, to stand out from the crowd, pray for three things. First of all, pray for power. Pray for power. If you can use power, leverage, position, influence to honor God and to uplift mankind, then accept it. Pray for it. Don't think of it as mundane. Don't think of it as material. Don't think of yourself as being arrogant because you're doing it on behalf of God, not for your own self-promotion. After the Kurukshetra War, when all the forces of evil have been destroyed and all the pretenders to the throne were cut down, Yudhisthira, whom Krishna wanted to rule all along because he was a pious, pure devotee of the Lord, Yudhisthira was grief-stricken. Yudhisthira was depressed. Yudhisthira thought that so that I could be king, so many soldiers had to lose their lives. And Krishna said, he rebuked Yudhisthira. He said, you shouldn't be thinking in such small-minded terms. I'm God, I'm personally present on the planet, and I have arranged everything to put you in the position of supreme executive head. So rather than lamenting and thinking in a small-minded, negative way, you should step up onto the throne, accept the crown, accept the vestments of power, accept the, the, the sovereignty on my behalf, represent me in such a way that every man, woman, child, and even animal in the world right now will go back to home, back to God at the end of their life. That's the power that I've given you. And we should also ask for power as long as we use it in the proper way to do good and to honor God. Krishna dares you to ask for him something big. It is said, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not even know about. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or all that we imagine according to the power that's within us. What's that mean? It means you cannot out-ask God. You cannot out-dream God. Stretch your imagination to the greatest thing that you think could possibly happen and then realize that God's going to take that and supersize it. He can go way beyond your imagination. And what do you want God to do in your life? Heal a bad marriage situation? Ask Him. Help you get clean from an addiction? Ask Him. Help you with some goals? Start a temple? Open an orphanage? Ask Him. What do you want God to do in your life. He says you have not because you ask not. And as I said, asking is not selfish. You're just praying for more responsibility. And if you get the power, if you get the position, if you get the responsibility, then you're going to have to ask God for His presence to maintain everything. 
A lot of people, they want blessings, they want promotion, they want more wealth, but they're not prepared to accept the extra burden that comes with the blessing. Extra blessings means extra burdens. There'll be greater demands, there'll be more pressure, and you need God's help to maintain what He has given you. So ask for His power to reach your goals, and then ask for His presence to maintain. In fact, of the triumvirate Brahma the Creator and Shiva the Destroyer, it is Vishnu, which is another name for Krishna, who maintains everything nicely. And in order to maintain, we chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari, Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. I want your presence beside me. I want your counsel. I want your wisdom as I maintain what it is that you've given me. Power, presence, and lastly, protection. The more influence you've got, the more enemies you're going to get. The more envious people will attack you. So God, give me the power to reach my goal. Give me your presence to help me and buoy me up as I maintain it. And third, give me your protection as I live for and represent you. With his power, with his presence, and with his protection, we don't have to fear a thing. We don't have to go through life in fear and worry and anxiety. With those elements, our lives are completely successful. Here Prabhupada says, Therefore, any sensible man who is above the average man, who has a poor fund of knowledge, must constantly remember the personality of Godhead by hearing about Him, by glorifying Him, by remembering Him, and by worshiping Him always without cessation. That is the perfect way of devotional service. Prabhupada wanted all of his 4,000 disciples to be preachers. Preaching is and will always be the essence. It is the topmost perfection for any God-centered person to help others receive the good news. And if we don't make the endeavor to preach, whether we're Catholic or Mormon or Jew or whatever, we're going to slide back into frustration and mediocrity. And of all the servants, those who preach, who tax their brains to spread the good news, are the most dear to the Lord. It's like in a battlefield. The crying need is for doctors. More than any other category of skill, the doctors are required to heal, to restore, and to patch up the wounded. Finishing up here, how do you get that type of lifestyle where you stand out from the crowd, where you're above average? First of all, you get a great ambition to honor God in an epic way. Then two, get a growing faith that with His help, Nothing is impossible. And then thirdly, learn to depend upon Him in order that that dream come to pass. If you'll pattern your thinking in these three simple ways, have a great ambition, grow your faith, and depend upon the Lord in all circumstances, then not all the forces of darkness and mediocrity will be able to bring you down. You'll stand head and shoulders above the crowd. You'll rise above You'll excel, you'll shine brightly in an age of darkness, you'll soar, and you'll not only accomplish all your dreams in this life, but in the next life, you'll go back home, back to Godhead.